I want you to go ahead and turn to the book of Mark if you've not already done so. The book of Mark, that's where we're going to dive into this morning. It's a new year. And so we are in a, a new sermon series. It's the good news. It's the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I had to sum up the book of Mark with one or two words other than the name of Jesus, I would sum it up this way. Servant ministry. That's what we're going to see in the book of Mark. We're going to see servant ministry. Mark tells us about the life and the work of Jesus Christ. He describes Jesus as our suffering servant. He's our suffering servant Savior. Uh, Jesus tells us in the other Gospels, I came not to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom. That's what Jesus says, and I believe in the book of Mark, we're going to see that servant ministry. We're going to see our suffering servant Savior, Jesus Christ, His life and His work. I read a poem recently. It was a poem written by an unknown author, so we can't really give credit to who wrote it, but it's a beautiful poem nonetheless. I want you to listen to what this writer says. He says, I'll go wherever you want me to go, dear Lord. Real service is what I desire. I'll sing you a solo anytime, dear Lord. Just don't ask me to sing in the choir. I'll do what you want me to do, dear Lord. I like to see things come to pass. But don't ask me to teach little children, oh Lord. I'd rather just stay in my class. I'll do what you want me to do, dear Lord. I yearn for thy kingdom to thrive. I'll even give you my nickels from time to time, dear Lord. But don't ask me to tithe. I'll go wherever you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll say what you want me to say. But right now, I'm busy for myself, dear Lord. I'll plan on helping you another day. That's someone who ever wrote that. That's someone who thought servant ministry was a good idea, but they weren't really ready to get involved. They, they weren't really to be committed to it. They weren't ready to dedicate themselves to it. See, I believe this. Worldly servanthood looks a lot different than heavenly servanthood. The way the world says to serve others is going to be a whole lot different than the way the Bible says to serve others. And I'll tell you this, none of us get it right all the time. When we all fall short, the Bible says that we're all sinners and in our sinful state, in our sinful condition, we're not going to get it right all the time. Even as Christ followers, we're going to slip, we're going to stumble. We're not going to get servant ministry right all the time. But I will tell you this, Jesus Christ is the one we look to. He's the one we look to when we need help. He's the one we look to and He's the one we depend on when we need saving. When we need to be picked back up and put on the right path, Jesus Christ is the one we look to. I believe the message of Mark, I believe it's that the good news of Jesus is true and it is here. That's what Mark is trying to say. Hey, the good news that you've heard about, the good news that you've been looking for, the good news that you are ready for, it's Jesus. And it is true, and he is here. See, the good news is that the promise of God, the Messiah, the Savior, has come to us, and he is Jesus. Jesus has come not to be served, but to serve. Jesus has come to give his life as a ransom for those who are lost, and he'll do it. Mark tells us in his gospel that Jesus lived a perfect life, that Jesus died sacrificially on the cross, and that Jesus rose again in victory. 
He will show us what servant ministry looks like. He will show us what servant ministry does, not just to you as you are serving, but to others in whom you serve. See, I believe this. Servant ministry impacts people, not just earthly, but eternally. Think about that for a moment. We've got a lot of good organizations out here in our world who are doing a lot of good work. They really are. We've got a lot of good organizations doing a lot of good things for people. But here's the thing. If it's good things for the earth and that's it, then is it really good? I say no. If it's just good for an earthly impact, then what good is that? Because here's the thing. Our lives are like vapor. We're here one minute and gone the next. And so if it's not eternal impact, then is it really impact at all? See, I believe that's what Jesus shows us. Jesus shows us kingdom servanthood. He he shows us how to impact lives not just on an earthly level, but a heavenly level, an eternal level. See, God prepared His people. Listen, all the way back in Genesis, if you go back and look at the Old Testament, God was preparing His people. I believe if you look at the prophets, God was preparing His people. And as we're going to see right here in Mark chapter 1 today, God prepared the way for Jesus by way of John the Baptist. We're going to see this man, John the Baptist, and how God used him to prepare the way for Jesus. But we're also going to see that Jesus prepares his followers for kingdom ministry. And he does that through humble servanthood. So that's why I say, in my opinion, the book of Mark can be summed up in those two words. Servant ministry. Most theologians believe that the gospel of Mark is written by a man named John Mark. Now, he never uses his own name, and so therefore we can't say that he said he wrote it. But when you look at the writings and when you look at the context, most theologians agree that it is John Mark. John Mark is the one who accompanied the Apostle Paul on his first missionary journey, as you can see in the book of Acts. It was actually John Mark's home, or his mother's home, where the early church gathered to pray. That's in Acts chapter 12. And even though... Even though he was not one of the original disciples, he was not one of the original 12 disciples, John Mark, most theologians believe, would have been an older teenager during that time. And so he had a front row seat to everything that was taking place in the life of Jesus. He had a front row seat to everything that was happening to the early church, especially in the provinces of Rome. And so we understand that Mark, when he wrote this gospel, right, all of the gospel writers, they wrote in different contexts. They wrote to different people in different times. And so John Mark wrote this gospel, and his primary audience would have been Gentiles, and not just any Gentiles, Roman Gentiles. John Mark wanted to reach the people in Rome with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you ever looked at the Gospels and noticed that Mark is the shortest Gospel out of all the Gospels? Some are like, you know what, I'm going to read the Gospel of Mark because it's short. (laughs) He gets right to the point. Do you know why he did that? Because in Rome, you got to remember, the Roman citizens, they were all, they were kind of like that Burger King mentality, I want it my way right away. In other words, don't beat around the bush, give it to me right now. right? They were about being entertained. And so John Mark understood his audience. He understood who he was trying to reach. And so John Mark, 
he, he, doesn't, he doesn't beat around the bush. He gets right to the point. And I, I, I tend to love that. As a matter of fact, I think that's probably where we are as a society today, right? Immediate gratitude. We want it right here, right now. And so I believe this is a great gospel for us to dig into. Many of us, we have short attention spans. Well, guess what, John Mark? He's going to hit you quick, and he's going to hit you with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and he's not going to use a lot of words. He's going to get straight to the point. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ came to live a perfect life. Jesus Christ came to die on the cross. Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He defeated sin and death. He did it for you. And John Mark would say, now what are you going to do with it? That's what he would say. I, I love the gospel of Mark. And so as we think about the audience, as we think about the context, as we think about the writer, let's look at the message. Let's look at the good news that Mark has for us. Beginning in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a belt, a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to see something right off the bat. John Mark, remember, he doesn't take take too much time to get to the point, and he gets to the point in the very first verse. The foundational truth of his gospel is that Jesus is the Son of God. He says it right off the bat. This is the good news about Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Listen, Mark is going to continue to say that. You're going to see it over and over again. Mark's going to remind you that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God. That word Messiah, it means the anointed one. And there's only one, the anointed one. And so as the Son of God, Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to his people. He is fully divine. He is fully human. As Dr. David Jeremiah says, Jesus is the God-man. Come to us. And I'm going to tell you something. If we don't believe this foundational truth, listen to me. If we don't believe Mark chapter 1, verse 1, then who cares what the rest of Mark says? I'm just telling you. If you can't believe that Jesus is the Messiah that Jesus is the Son of God, then it doesn't matter what else we read. This is the foundational truth of the gospel, not just Mark's gospel, but all the gospels. Because they are the good news about Jesus Christ. And so there is no true kingdom ministry. There is no true kingdom servanthood apart from Jesus Christ. He is the foundational truth in which we stand upon. 
Now, he goes on, and, John, and, and Mark says there was John. John the Baptist is the messenger who what? Prepares the way. I told you earlier, God's been preparing this world. He's been preparing his people for the one. The one, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God. And he did that through the prophets. And now we see that God was preparing the people through John the Baptist. In the book of Luke, the angel told Zechariah, don't be afraid. Why did he tell Zechariah, don't be afraid? Because I'm fixing to tell you something that's going to rock your world. Zechariah was an older man. His wife was an older woman. And they had no children. And so the angel went on to tell him that he and his wife would now have a son. And that they were to name the son John. The angel told Zechariah that your son is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Can you imagine Zechariah? He's just going about in the temple doing his daily work. Right? He's doing what he always does. He's doing what he's called to do. And the angel says, yes, you, even in your old age, you're going to have a child. And he's going to be a special child. He's going to be the messenger. He's going to be the one who prepares the way. Listen to what the angel said to him. He said, your son is going to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Do you see that? This is incredible. This is God preparing his people for the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God. In the Old Testament, we see the same message. The same message in Exodus 23. God says there's going to be a messenger who comes before my Messiah. In Malachi chapter 3, there's going to be a messenger in the wilderness who is going to make way, right? Make way for the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 40, that's what Mark is quoting. Mark is saying there's one in the wilderness who's going to make way and make ready for the Lord. And so John the Baptist, that's what he's there for. John the Baptist prepared people for Jesus. And how did he do that? He preached a message of repentance and baptism. Do you see it? John the Baptist, he's making people ready. He's getting them ready. He's preparing them for the Messiah, for the Son of God, and the message that he's going to preach, not just with his mouth, but with his life. And John the Baptist says the way you get ready for that, the way you receive the Lord, is through repentance of your sin. you got to understand who you are so that you can see clearly who he is. And so he says you've got to repent of your sin and you've got to be baptized. Listen, for the longest time up to this point, when you look back in the Old Testament and you look at the history of Israel, for a long time, Israel suffered from physical exile. You say, Brother Jeff, what are you talking about, physical exile? Well, do you remember how many times Israel was taken away from its homeland? And they were in exile, they were away from their homeland. But what did God do? He continued to bring them back. He continued to bring them back to that land that he gave them. Well, John's message was for them to confess their sins, to turn from their sins. It was was a spiritual exile, right? They, They were in spiritual exile. They were not with the Lord because their sins separated them from the Lord. And so John says, you've got to turn from your sin. You've got to repent of your sin and come back to God because God's got salvation for you. And it comes through Jesus Christ, His Son, the Messiah, the Anointed One. As we see, not just in Mark's Gospel, but in all the Gospels, many people were amazed. They they were drawn to John the Baptist. That They wanted to see him. They wanted to hear him. That They they were looking at John the Baptist, but what was John the Baptist saying? Hey, don't look at me. Just listen to what I'm telling you. 
Because I want you to look to Him. I want you to see Him when He comes. John the Baptist wanted people to see Jesus. He wanted people to believe in Jesus. Jesus was more powerful. Jesus was the most powerful, the most worthy. And so John, what did he do? He embraced his role of preparation. He understood who he was. He understood who God created him to be. I am the messenger. And I have good news. I have the message that you need. And his name is Jesus. And so don't you love that? God preparing his people through his messenger, John the Baptist. Mark goes on, and like I said, he didn't spend a whole lot of time about John the Baptist, did he? He got right to the point. Let me tell you who John the Baptist is. Let me tell you what he's doing. He's getting you ready for the Lord. And the way you get ready for the Lord is you repent of your sin and you be baptized. I'll baptize you with water, but the one coming, oh, he's going to baptize you with something more than water. He's going to baptize you with the Spirit. And so John's pointing to Jesus, and look at this. Verse 9. At that time, now you're going to see something in the book of Mark over and over again. He's going to use that word immediately. Or he's going to use at that time. Again, he's getting you straight to the point. He's getting you to Jesus. So he says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once, the Spirit sent him. Do you see that? At once, he's getting straight to the point. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. Now, one thing you're going to notice right off the bat about Mark's gospel, if you were to go back and look at Matthew or you'd move forward and look at Luke and even in John, one thing's a little different about Mark. Mark's gospel is a little different in that he does not begin with the birth of Jesus Christ. He begins with the servant ministry, the public ministry of Jesus Christ. And what we see right off the bat, again, Mark is not pulling any punches. He's not turning corners. He's, he's walking you down a straight path. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. John the Baptist came to make the way ready for him, make you ready for him. You do that by recognizing your sin, not just recognizing, but turning from it, repenting from it, and you be baptized with water. And then John says, look to Jesus. And Mark says, here he is. Here's Jesus. And, and here's the thing, the foundational characteristic of Jesus' kingdom ministry, guess what it is? It's obedience. Look at it. John, John, listen, Mark wants you to see it. He wants you to see the obedience of Jesus. He doesn't spend any time about the birth of Jesus. He gets right to the point of what, here's Jesus. When he came and made his ministry public, what's the first thing that he did? He went to John the Baptist and was baptized. And so the foundational characteristic of kingdom ministry the way Jesus shows us and lives is obedience to the Father. We know from the Scriptures that Jesus is the eternal Son of God. Even Mark makes that statement. We know from Scripture that God exists in three persons. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And immediately, God the Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, immediately, when He makes Himself known, 
when he walks out publicly, he walks right to John the Baptist and says, baptize me. And so we see obedience of Jesus in baptism. Do you know what this was? Some people say, well, did Jesus have to be baptized? Well, that's all about perspective. He didn't have to be baptized from the way that you and I think about it. He wanted to be baptized because he knew that that's what the Father wanted him to do. You know what this baptism was for Jesus? It was a declaration. That's what it was. Just like for me and you, it is a declaration that we have repented of our sin, that we've died to our old way of life, our old self, and we come up out of that water and we're a new creation. That's our declaration. Do you know what Jesus' declaration is? Jesus' declaration is, I am the Son of God. That's what he was doing. I am the Son of God. This was his declaration. I love this. Dr. Tony Evans says this about Jesus. Jesus went through this baptism to identify with sinners whom he came to save. But he also did this to be distinguished as the Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of God. The ministry of God, the Son, begins with obedience and continues with loving affirmation from God the Father and empowering presence of God the Spirit. Do you see that? The baptism of Jesus, it's a beautiful picture of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father says, I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased by you. What was he, what was he pleased with? I believe he was pleased with the obedience that Jesus came to do what God told him to do. What, what he, he came to do was to save you and me. And he came to do that through servant ministry. Not to be served, but to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom. This was the beginning of that. This was the preparation, the groundwork being laid. And so what did Jesus do? He prepared for his mission on earth by following the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Do you notice that right after he was baptized... And we do see this in the other Gospels, but we definitely see it in the book of Mark. Right after he was baptized, right after the the heavens were torn open and Jesus heard the Father speak to him, it says the Spirit immediately led him into the wilderness. And what did Jesus do? Did, Did he sit down and have a discussion about that? Well, wait a second. No, it says he went into the wilderness. He followed the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, Mark doesn't go into much detail here like the other gospel writers does, but he does make it very clear that Jesus was obedient. He makes it very clear that Jesus conquers the temptations of Satan, whereas Israel had failed over and over again in the wilderness. Think about this for a moment. When Israel was coming out, how many years did they spend in the wilderness? Say it again. Forty years. How many days was Jesus in the wilderness? 40. Do you think that's a coincidence? I do not. Because when it comes to God, there are no coincidences. (laughs) Whereas Israel in the wilderness failed over and over again. When they lived unfaithfully and and disobediently to God in the wilderness over and over again for 40 years, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and he never sinned. Never. He was tempted in the wilderness 
by Satan, just like the Israelites were tempted in the wilderness over and over again. They failed. Jesus did not. He was victorious. Jesus was in that wilderness. And the Bible says he was with wild animals. But the Bible also says the angels attended him. I love what Dr. David Jeremiah says in his commentary. He says, Mark simply wants believers to know that Jesus was victorious. That Jesus triumphed completely over the enemy. And that you too can be victorious when you are tempted. That's what Jesus shows us. Jesus relied on the Father. Jesus relied on the Spirit that was in Him. The Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you something. You and I, we're going to be tempted. When you woke up this morning, Satan was already awake. And he was already in your face, wasn't he? Already tempting you. He, he, he tried to tempt you. Hey, listen, it's cold out there. Don't go, don't, you don't need to go to church today. You got too much to do. You got, you got company. You got you to make lunch. I'm going to tell you, he's going to keep doing that every day. And he's going to tempt you in every way. You know what Satan wants? He wants you to disobey God in every area of your life. He wants you to disobey God in your house. He wants you to disobey God in your workplace. He wants you to disobey God in the school. He wants you to disobey God in the community. I'm going to tell you something. He wants Christians to disobey God in the church. He wants you to come to church, and instead of being an encourager, he wants you to be a discourager. Satan wants to tempt you to come to church and be someone who looks down on people in judgment rather than embracing people with love. That's what he wants. He wants disobedience. He wants rebellion. He wants you to reject God and reject the Messiah. He wants you to reject God's plan for you. So he's going to tempt you over and over again. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is the victory. Jesus didn't just have the victory in the wilderness. Jesus is the victory in the wilderness. And if you will rely on him, if you will look to him, if you will call on him, you too can have victory. Just as John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus' public ministry to begin, Jesus prepared for his life. He prepared for his work through his baptism, even through this temptation in the wilderness. Listen, Jesus, he obeyed the Father because he loved the Father. That's why he obeyed the Father, because he loved the Father. Jesus submitted to the Spirit by walking faithfully where the Spirit led him. Yes, even into the wilderness. Jesus was tempted by the enemy, but empowered by the Spirit. Dr. Daniel Aiken says, The war in the wilderness was won by our suffering servant king. This was not the end, though. It was just the beginning. Or more precisely, it was just the resumption of a spiritual warfare that began back in Genesis 3, 15. I love that. Dr. Aiken says, you may look at this Mark chapter 1 and you may say, oh, well, this is, this is where the suffering began. No, 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 Jesus, right? Our suffering Savior, our suffering servant King. Listen, this warfare has been going on since Genesis chapter 3. When God said the, the serpent will strike his heel, but he will crush his head. Jesus doesn't just have the victory, he is the victory. 
Dr. Aiken in his commentary, he goes on to say something that is very intriguing, very interesting. Listen to what Dr. Aiken says. God's will may not always be safe, but God's will will always be best. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in this place where you were on a spiritual high? Like, like you just, you could just, you just felt the presence of God. You were experiencing the presence of God. And, and God had you in a place where, where you could just, you could see the heavens being torn open. Like, like you could even hear, like God's voice saying, I love you. I'm so proud of you. When, when you're in that place, right, is the next thing you're thinking is, okay, now I'm going into the wilderness to be with the wild animals. To, to face Satan, right? Face to face and be tempted? Is that, is that what you would think would happen? I don't know about you, but when I'm on that mountain, I don't like getting off that mountain. Huh? When I'm on that spiritual high, I, I kind of want to stay there in that spiritual high, right? But is that what happens? No, that's not what happens. Listen, God's will is not always going to be safe. But God's will is always going to be best. Always going to be best. And we see that in the life of Jesus. I, I want to back up a little bit. I want to back up and I want to take you to the book of Jeremiah. You don't have to turn there. The scripture will be on the screen. But do you believe the words that God gave Jeremiah all those years before Jesus was ever born? Before the incarnation, do you, do you believe the words that God gave Jeremiah? Do you believe those words, Right? Today, even after the birth, even after the life, even after the death and the resurrection of Jesus, what did Jeremiah say? 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you what? Hope and a future. I, I, you know what? A lot of us, we probably have that scripture on a plaque. We probably have it on a book. We probably have it written down. We have it posted on our walls. And, and we read that scripture, and we read that scripture, and we read that scripture, and maybe we get dry to it. Maybe we get numb to it. But I'm going to just tell you something. God knew you before you existed in the womb. God knew when you would be born, where you would be born, and what you would be born into. God knew that. And God may not have put you in a place that was safe and sound and secure, but I'm going to tell you something. That's what sin does. That's what sin did in the very beginning. It, it broke us as human beings. It broke this world. And, and so there's suffering in this world. There's hardship in this world. Listen, there's doubt. There's fear. There's all of these things. There's darkness. You me tell you what that is? That's sin. Sin has broken us, has broken our world. Sin is what separates us from God. And I'm going to tell you something. To be separated from God is to be separated from hope. It's to be separated from joy. It's to be separated from peace. It's to be separated from love. And when you and I could do nothing about it, God did. What does Paul say in the book of Romans chapter 5? Even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Well, in order for Christ to die for us, Christ had to come to us. And Christ had to live. 
And he had to live perfectly. And he did. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And God was preparing this world for the coming of his Son. We, we just talked about that over the last few weeks in the Incarnation. And John the Baptist, he was a messenger. And what was his, what was his duty? What was his purpose? To prepare a people for the anointed one, the Messiah, the Lord. He did what he was supposed to do. And now Jesus is here. Right? He's here. Listen, if Mark wants to tell us something in chapter 1, I believe it's this. God prepared salvation for us. He prepared salvation for us because we could not save ourselves. God says, I will save you. God prepared salvation for us and He delivered salvation for us through Jesus Christ and it's Jesus Christ alone. There is no other Messiah. There is no other anointed one. There is no other way. It's just Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. That's the good news, right? Mark has no other news to tell you. He, he has no other news to give you. It's just Jesus, and it's good news. Mark says, are you in the wilderness? Right? Are you facing temptation? Are you hurting? Are you suffering? That's okay, because Jesus was hurting, and Jesus was suffering, but Jesus lived perfectly. Jesus lived victoriously, and he did that for you, and he did that for me. So Mark said, that's the good news. See Jesus. See the Son of God. So the question, right, that Mark doesn't ask this question, but I will. (laughs) The question is this, will you embrace Jesus? Will you embrace Jesus as Messiah, as the Son of God, and will you obediently walk with Jesus in kingdom ministry? And I'm going to tell you, Jesus was always about God's glory. Jesus wanted to do God's will He wanted to bring God glory. That's what he wanted. So my question is, will you embrace Jesus this year? It's a new year, right? It's a fresh start. 2021 is gone. Many of us are saying, thank you, God, it is gone. Right? A lot of stuff happened in 2021 that we don't want anymore. We just want to flush it. It's gone. Okay, well, stop looking back. And start looking here. Start here, and then pick your head up and look forward, because God's got a purpose for you. God's got a plan for you, and it's based on two words, hope, future, right? Isn't that the promise he made through Jeremiah? And guess, guess who your hope and your future lies with? It lies with Jesus. If you're fishing around for hope and Jesus ain't, ain't there you're going to come up empty. If you're truly looking forward and you're looking into the future, if Jesus ain't there, it ain't a future worth walking into. You're just going to experience hurt and pain and brokenness and you're going to be empty, inside and out, if it ain't Jesus. That's the good news. The good news is no matter what your circumstances are, And no matter what you feel like, Jesus is the Son of God. And He came to serve, not be served. He came to give His life a ransom. And He came to give His life a ransom for you. Even while you're a sinner, Christ lived for you. Christ died for you. And when He rose from the grave to defeat sin and death, He did that for you so that you might live. Live with hope. 
and live with your head up looking towards that future. And I'm going to tell you, my future isn't just bound on this earth. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh, my future, it's an eternity in heaven with Him. But don't wait to get your praise on there. You need to go ahead and get your praise on now. Huh? Preparation. We, we, we saw the preparation with John the Baptist. We even saw Jesus preparing for that servant ministry. I'm going to tell you something. You ought to be preparing right now for what you were created to do forever. And that is praise God and give Him glory with who you are in this life and the next. My prayer is that Jesus is your Messiah. That, that you have done what John the Baptist said. Repent of your sin. Be baptized. My prayer is that you will follow Jesus in obedience. God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to go where you want me to go, even if, even if it don't look safe. I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to walk where you tell me to walk. I'm going to face whoever you tell me to face, God. Even if it is my enemy, Satan, who I know is going to tempt me. And God, I can't win that. But greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world tempting me. I'm going to rely on Jesus because He is my Messiah. He is my suffering servant Savior. If you can say that, 2022 better look out. Because we coming.